Well, hello, and once again, welcome to Vaughn Forest Church. Like I said earlier, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Vaughn Forest, and I'm excited to be here with you today. It's great to see so many folks here joining us on campus. Again, I know we have a lot of folks joining us online, including a lot of the new military families who are about to move to the Montgomery and uh, Pike Road area, and so we're so grateful that you are joining us as well. And again, happy Father's Day. Now, before we uh, the service, uh, I was meeting with the band backstage, and they said, you've got to tell a dad joke on Father's Day. And so I said, that's fine. I'll tell you guys my favorite dad joke. Now, if you know the answer to this one, don't shout it out. Don't be that guy. Uh, but my favorite dad joke, here we go. So when does a joke actually become a dad joke? It's when the punchline becomes apparent. Ah, there's that groan I'm looking for. That's exactly what we dads feed off of. But no, uh, happy Father's Day. We are so grateful to all of our dads for everything that you do for us. And uh, so grateful uh, to get to be here with you guys today. So we have been in this series, Sermon on the Mount, for the past nine weeks. We've been taking a journey together uh, through Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, uh, going through what many have called the greatest sermon ever preached. And uh, it's been an incredible series. We've had some incredible teaching in this series. If you have missed any of that, I would encourage you to head over to VaughnForce.com or our YouTube channel and uh, get called up on all these messages. I mean, the teaching has been fantastic. And last week, I was so grateful to have our friend Brett Moore, who was here with us. And he did a great job talking about uh, storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven and not treasures here on earth. And let me tell you, next week, you are not going to want to miss. Jason Powell is going to be with us bringing the message. If you don't know who Jason is, he is the lead pastor of Jesus City Church downtown. He came here from California and actually planted this church a couple of years ago. Ago, and uh, you're not going to want to miss it. He does an incredible job. He's a great communicator. He is going to bring God's word. And so make sure you are here next week, 9.30, 11 a.m. If for some reason you're traveling, uh, make sure you're joining us online at VaughnForest.com. Again, there's been great teaching, and we're looking forward to continuing today in this series. And so we are going to be picking it up where Brett left off last week. We are in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be picking it up in verse 25 and going through verse 34. And we've said in this series that we're letting the text dictate what we are going to talk about. And this particular passage of Scripture is a pretty famous one, and so as we were unpacking and looking at what the scripture said, it became very apparent to us that the topic we need to talk about today is God's plan for anxiety and worry. When we look at this scripture that we are in today, it becomes very apparent that we need to talk about God's plan for anxiety and worry. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we'll be picking that up here in just a moment. But before we get to that, one thing I want to point out when we talk about anxiety and worry, I think all of us kind of understand that over the last three and a half years, anxiety and worry and stress and mental and emotional health has become something that's become a bit of an issue in our culture ever since the pandemic. How Are we far enough away that I can use that word now? Since the unprecedented times. Y'all remember that phrase? I remember during the pandemic, I had a friend who said, man, I just wish we were in precedented times again. I don't like these unprecedented times. But this is something that we all know. This is something that so many of us have dealt with these higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of worry, deteriorating mental and emotional health. And even if we ourselves are not dealing with that, then we probably know someone who is. 
We probably know someone, whether they're in our family, whether it's a friend, someone we work with, who is dealing with these higher levels of stress, anxiety, and worry. And it's not just something that we intuitively know. There's actually hard data to back this up. I went and did some research online this week, and I was able to find some numbers. So according to a recent World Health Organization study, global prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by a massive 25% in the first year and a half of the pandemic. So worldwide, one in four people were dealing with higher levels of stress, depression, anxiety in the first year and a half of the pandemic. Now, you may say, Chad, that was the first year and a half. That was a while back. What's happened since then? Well, I went and found some more recent studies, and I found this. Another independent study from KFF.org states that as of February 2023, this was the most recent study I could find, there has been a 32.3% increase in anxiety and or depressive disorder amongst all adults in the United States. That is almost one in three. Basically one in three. So since the pandemic, since the first year and a half, that number amongst adults in the United States has actually gone up gone from one in four to one in three. When we break that down amongst age groups, this is what we find. We see an increase in higher levels of anxiety and worry 49.9% in adults 18 to 24, half, one in two. 38% in adults 25 to 49. 29.3% in adults 50 to 64, and 20.1% in adults 65 and up. So depending on your age range, the statistics are a little bit different, but the, the truth is this, that at best, even 65 and up, one in five people is dealing with higher levels of depression and anxiety. Younger folks are having even more issues with this. Another study that I found from the CDC says that 44% of high school students reported that their mental health was not good most or all of the time during and since the pandemic. 44% amongst these students. And then a recent National Institute of Health study concluded with this. said this study concluded that students' mental problems are alarming. Post-pandemic is leaving long-lasting psychological effects and will require further investigation. So I think we can all admit, based on our pulse on society and culture, based on these numbers, based on the data that we see, that higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of worry is something that we are all dealing with. And the result from those higher levels of anxiety and worry are alarming. It leads to depression. It leads to suicide. It leads to all of these issues. The good news is, is that God's word is not silent on this. As a matter of fact, God's word has a lot to say about this. God's word has a lot that we can lean into when we are facing anxiety and worry. And if there is a silver lining to the last three and a half years that we have been through, I think it's this. I think that it has normalized the conversation in talking about our anxiety. It has normalized the conversation when we talk about worry and mental and emotional health. It used to be one of those things you didn't really speak about a whole lot, but now people are having open and honest conversations talking about these things. And I think that that is a silver lining that has come out of this, and it is a good thing that has come out of such a horrible tragedy that was the pandemic. And it's interesting that we're talking about this on Father's Day because men in particular tend to be a little more guarded, right guys? We tend to not want to talk about it so much. We tend to want to kind of push it down and, and think that we'll just deal with it ourselves. 
But again, coming out of the pandemic, we see people are more likely, a little bit more open to talk about these things. And so today we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture, like I said, a very famous passage, where we see that not only is God aware of our anxiety, not only is God aware of our worries, but as a matter of fact, he has a lot to say about them and has made a lot of provision for us with them. So again, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. We're going to be going all the way through verse 34. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries at all. We'll put all the scripture up here on the screens uh, so you can follow along with us. And uh, what we're going to do is kind of go through this as a, as a whole, and then we'll kind of go back through and kind of break it down and unpack what Jesus is saying here to everyone in the Sermon on the Mount. So picking it up in verse 25, we're going to read through. You guys bear with me as we kind of go through this chunk of scripture. So Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So there's a lot going on here. It's a long passage of scripture, again, a very famous one, but there's a lot going on. So what I want to do is I want to kind of start to unpack this and kind of go kind of a couple of verses at a time and see what it is that Jesus is trying to say to us. And, uh, and then we'll have some application for us. And then kind of at the end of our time here today, just some very practical tips that hopefully can help you if you are dealing with anxiety and worry or if you know someone that is. So right off the rip uh, at the beginning of this scripture, Jesus uses this word, therefore. He says, therefore. And uh, I've heard it said many times that anytime you see the word, therefore, you need to go back and look at the verses before that to see what is that, therefore, therefore. And again, Brett did an excellent job this past Sunday unpacking the scripture before this where Jesus talks about how important it is for us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven and not treasures here on earth. And the people who are listening to Jesus at this time, the first place that their brains are going to go is they're going to think that he's talking about money. And Brett unpacked for us that, no, your treasure is what are you devoting yourself to? Your treasure is the one thing that as long as you have that, you will be fine not having anything else. And Jesus is saying, instead of focusing on everything here on this earth, and for many people that is money, it is acquiring as much money as possible, he says... Don't focus on that. Store up for yourselves, rather, treasures in heaven. And so the first thought that so many people would have had is probably the first thought that a lot of us have when we hear, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where the thief can't steal it and, and the moth can't destroy and rust can't destroy. And he said, but here on earth that can happen. The first thought that these people would have had is like, so are you saying that money is bad? 
Because, like, I've got to provide for my family. I've got kids to feed. I've got a house that needs to be paid for. They need clothes. They need all of these things. And in the scripture, Jesus is not saying that these are bad things. As a matter of fact, it's a very, very good thing for us to work hard and to provide for our family. So they immediately have this thought, and Jesus knows that this is the first place their minds are going to go when he says, hey, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven. And so what is he going to do is he is immediately going to shift gears. And it's very interesting that he does this. So for the past few uh, verses and chapter and Sermon on the Mount, we've been getting a lot of teaching about how to live a life that honors God, what it looks like to follow Jesus. He's been saying things like, blessed are the merciful. He's been saying things like, blessed are the meek. He's been giving instructions on how to live your life. He says things like, if your eye causes you to lust, pluck it out and throw it away. He's talking about storing up treasures in heaven, seeking after God's kingdom. And so in the middle of all of this instruction about how we are to live our lives, he stops because he knows what they're thinking. He knows that they're thinking, well, how are we going to provide? Who's going to meet our needs? And what does Jesus do? He shifts gears and he comforts them. He comforts those who are listening in. Jesus stops to reassure us. Picking up in verse 25, this is what Jesus says. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable? And I want you guys to note this word, valuable, than they. So Jesus does what a loving father would do. He comforts them, and he tries to give them a broader perspective. And we're going to use this word perspective quite a bit today because this is what Jesus is ultimately trying to do with this particular passage of Scripture. He's trying to help us understand and see things from God's point of view. And he is helping them understand how valuable they are to God, and because of their value to God, how he will, God will provide for them. And this is going to be our first application for today, that when I feel anxiety or worry, I can remember that I am loved and valued by God. When I feel anxiety or worry, I can remember that I am loved and valued by God. See, Scripture makes it clear to us again and again and again that God loves you so much. God values you so much. Much. He says it in the scripture that God takes care of all of nature and you are more valuable than they. And again, last week, Brett talked about treasure and he said that we are God's treasure. He values us and he loves us. And Jesus isn't saying here that our needs are not legit. He's not saying that at all. He's not saying, hey, you don't need to worry, like, like food, like that stuff doesn't matter. He knows that that matters. He is simply saying is that our Heavenly Father, when we trust Him, He will provide because He values us. He loves us. And it's a great reminder on Father's Day about our relationship with God for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. That it is like a relationship between a parent and a child. And a parent will always take care of their child. The perfectly heavenly father will always take care of his child. And it reminds me back when, uh, when I was a kid. So I was probably about 13 or 14 years old. 
And I've actually gone to church here for a long time, and the student ministry here at this church was taking a skiing trip to Snowshoe, West Virginia. Now, understand something. I am, I am born and raised Alabama. Uh, I've lived in the southeast my entire life. I've never been anywhere really cold, okay? Like, I'm the type of guy that if they say, hey, it might snow a little bit, I'm like, head to the store, milk, bread, eggs, get all of it, right? So that's me. I've never done that. I don't know anything about the cold. And so uh, we're going on the ski trip, and all I know is that all my friends are going, and the student ministry's going, and I want to go, and it's going to be a great time. So I sign up for it. And uh, probably the week before the trip, my buddy says, well, do you have all the stuff that you need? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, all the stuff you'll need to go skiing. And in my mind, I'm like, I've got jeans, I've got a jacket, I'll, I'll even bring a little cap or something. Like, that'll be, that'll be enough, right? And he's like, no. So he shows me his stuff. He's got like a ski bib, he's got all this waterproof stuff, he's got ski goggles, all this, everything that you need to go skiing. And I start to panic a little bit. I'm like, I don't have any of that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it in time. This is like pre-Amazon days, right? So I don't know if it's going to get here on time. And I went into my, my mom and my dad, and I started basically panicking, saying like, hey, I don't have any of this. What are we going to do? And I'll never forget my mom looking at me and going, Chad, don't we always take care of you? Don't we always take care of you? And sure enough, before I left on that trip, my parents had already ordered everything that I needed for that trip. How much more so will our Heavenly Father take care of us? See, the things in our lives that we feel are these huge obstacles to overcome, when we have a broader perspective and we're able to look at it from the perspective of God the Father, we can see to Him these things are nothing, and He values us, and He delights in providing for us. I think about my kids. I've said before that nothing has taught me more about the nature of my relationship with God than having children of my own. And so many times my kids will come to me with a problem that they think is just unsurmountable, right? Maybe it's a homework problem. Maybe they need money for something. Maybe it's building a Lego set. I don't know. But they come to me with this problem, and they can't see it from the the perspective that I can, which is that this is not a big deal, and I can easily, easily solve their problem. And maybe it's not some giant in our lives. Maybe it's just that day-to-day grind. But here's what I know, that Jesus says in this passage that when we trust in the Lord, he will provide for us, that we are loved, that we are valued, and that God is faithful all the time, 100%, full stop, no asterisk. God will provide, maybe not in the way we think he should, maybe not in the time frame we think that he should, but God will provide as a loving father and he will take care of us. And so when we feel that anxiety, when we feel that worry, we can remember that we are loved and we are valued by God like a father to a child. Picking it up here now in verse 27. Jesus says this, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And I love what Jesus, how he starts this off in verse 27. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And it's so common sense, but it's so hard to do, right? It's so hard at times not to worry. And I want you to understand that the worry that Jesus is talking about here, he's not talking about like, making sure that you have your checklist completed before you go on a trip. 
making sure that you've got your luggage and the dog's taken care of and you haven't left your kids behind. Like, that's not the worry he's talking about. He's not talking about the worry of making sure that you do a good job at work. What he's talking about is that debilitating worry. He's talking about that anxiety that creeps in and it keeps us from trusting in the faithfulness of God. It's worry that turns into a lack of trust and faith in our Heavenly Father. He then says that if God takes care of the flowers and all of nature, won't he take that much? Much more care of you. And the verbiage that he uses here is very interesting. He talks about King Solomon. And everyone listening that day back in the first century knew who King Solomon was. If you don't know, Solomon was the son of King David in the Old Testament, widely regarded by many to be the most wealthy and wise ruler who has ever existed. If there was an Old Testament lifestyles of the rich and famous, Solomon would have been number one on the list. And Jesus tells all of these folks who are listening in, he says, the flowers of the field are clothed in more splendor than even Solomon, and God cares for you all the more. And then he uses this phrase, you of little faith. And I think it's very interesting because I think this phrase, you of little faith, gives us a little bit of perspective into what Jesus is trying to do here. I think it gives us a little bit more perspective, a little bit more view from God's point of view. And I think it sheds a little bit of light into the why behind the what. You see, so many of us, we wonder why. Why do we go through these hard times? Why do we face this anxiety? Why do we face this worry? Why do we have this stress? Why did all of this stuff happen over the last three and a half years? Why do all these things happen to us in our lives? What is the reasoning behind that? And when Jesus says, you of little faith here, I think it gives us a glimpse into the why of why that happens. And very simply, it's this, because God has something more for you, and God wants to use the situation that you were going through. And it's our second application for today, that when I feel anxiety or worry, I can use it as an opportunity to grow in my faith. When I feel anxiety or worry, I can use it as an opportunity to grow in our faith. See, these things that we face, these problems, situations that we go through, they're bumps in the road. They're bumps in the road. And they can be tough. I'm not belittling the things that we go through. They can be really, really tough. But what I want you to understand is that God is not interested in your temporary happiness. God is interested in you becoming more of who he wants you to be. And that is why God allows us to go through these different difficult times in our lives. My wife, Christy, and I were talking about this the other day with our kids, how it's been such a joy to watch them as they're growing up, turning into the women of God that we have prayed for, and watching them learn how to go out in this life. But our job is not simply to solve every one of their problems. Our job is not to keep them happy all of the time. Our job is to equip them to be women after God's heart. Our job is to equip them to go out into this world. And so it is with God and us. God is equipping us and turning us into more of who he wants us to be. And when we face these anxious times, when we face these trials in our lives, we can leverage that as an opportunity to grow in our faith and grow closer to the Lord. And that's why Paul writes this uh, to James. He says this in James 1, 2, 3, 4. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And this refinement, it's never, ever a fun process, right? 
When we go through the fire, it is never, ever a fun process, but just know that God wants to use that refining process to grow you and grow you in your relationship with him. And again, I'm not belittling what you go through. We go through real and difficult times, but what I am saying is that when we go through those times, we have a choice. We can sit there, we can wallow, and probably have to repeat the lesson, or we can look for what it is that God has for us. We can grow in our relationship with him, and we can leverage that opportunity to grow in our faith. Picking it up in verse 31, Jesus continues. He says this, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus is going to wrap up this passage here with a couple of reminders. and He's going to give us a reminder, and he's going to give us a promise. He's going to give us two things a reminder, and a promise. He is reminding us that those who call ourselves followers of Jesus, those who God has called children of the king, that we are different than this world. The world worries. He says the pagans run after such things. He is reminding us that we can have confidence because of who our heavenly father is. We have a father who loves us and who provides for us. And you see, our job is to seek after God. And this is the promise that when we seek after God, all of these things will be taken care of. All of these things will be provided for us as well. And this is our third application for today, simply this, that when I feel anxiety or worry, I can trust in God's promises. When I feel anxiety, when I feel worry, I can trust in God's promises. We can trust in God's promise of provision. We can trust that God will take care of us. Does that mean there won't be bumps in the road in difficult times? Of course there will be, but when those times come, we can trust in God's promises that he loves us, that he is faithful. Even when we are not faithful, God is always faithful. And I think so much of the time we doubt that because we judge God based on what we would do in that situation, right? We, we judge God based on what our actions would be and praise God that that is not God's standard. Instead, God's standard is one of faithfulness. And again, maybe not done in the time frame that we think it should be done, maybe not done in exactly the way we feel like it should be done, but God is always faithful and we can trust in God's promises. And I know what a lot of you are thinking. You're thinking, Chad, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing It's really hard right now for me to trust in God's promises. And you know what? I get that. And you're probably right. But what I do know is that what God says is always true and that God is faithful. And this idea and this of stress, anxiety, and worry, it's not one that's just academic to me. It's actually something that I have faced in my life. And so I kind of just want to tell you guys a story from my life uh, to kind of help maybe drive some of this point home. So Growing up, I was always kind of an anxious kid. I was always kind of a a worrisome kid, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, Nothing too crazy, but I just noticed I tended to kind of worry about things more than a lot of other kids. And there would be times where something would happen, and and I would, you know, have a panic attack is what I kind of realized was happening now. Now, when I was, uh, I was adopted when I was young, literally taken away from my birth mother uh, as a baby and adopted at three months. And there have been all kinds of studies that show that when a child is taken away from his birth mother, that he has heard her voice in utero for nine 
nine months that there can be higher levels of anxiety. And I don't know if that's what did it. I don't know if it's just the way God made me. But growing up, I always kind of had higher levels of anxiety and worship and, and dealt with this panic at times. And it could be something as simple as the dog got out and I thought it was going to run away. Or it could be something along the lines of I had a test that I didn't feel like I studied for, but I would have that elevated heart rate and I would start to, start to panic a bit. And I kind of always dealt with it. But it didn't come to a head for me until really uh, probably about a year and a half before the pandemic. So a year and a half before the pandemic, uh, one of the other pastors and I, we had flown out to California uh, to attend a conference at a church out there, and we were flying back. And uh, the pilot, as we're kind of getting close to Atlanta, because if you fly anywhere around here, you have to fly out of Atlanta. You drive to Atlanta and fly out of there. Uh, the pilot says, hey, we're going to be having some turbulence coming into Atlanta, so just a heads up, put on your seatbelts, right? And uh, I didn't really think anything of it because I've flown all over this world. I've done four different 17-hour nonstop flights sitting in coach. I have flown all over the United States. I've flown all over this hemisphere. Wasn't really a problem for me. I had traveled. I was totally expecting it. I had experienced turbulence before, or so I thought. So we're flying into Atlanta, and when I tell you the turbulence was bad, at one point, the plane dropped so far and so fast that one of the flight attendants came off her feet and landed in an aisle of people next to her. And at that moment, the panic attack happened. And I literally, I, my heart rate, ele- and, I'm, and I'm, I'm just freaking out. I, I'm like, I, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm praying, and we land, and everything's fine, and everybody claps, and this time I was okay with it, uh, and, and we move on. So I didn't think a whole lot about it, but what I had realized is that my base level of anxiety had kind of gone up. It was just now, it used to be down here, and it was kind of up here. I didn't think a whole lot about it until the following February, I was flying out to Texas to go see a friend of mine for a few days, and the minute I sat down in the seat, I started panicking. I started having that panic attack. We were not even up in the air, and I was having a panic attack. And I remember we take off, and I'm just, you know, again, gripping the seat, sweating, heart rate up, all this kind of stuff. And and the thought that I had, literally, this is how much of a control freak I am, was like, man, I wish I was the guy in the cockpit, because at least then I would have control, which is such a stupid thought, right? Like, not the guy who's trained most of his life how to fly this thing, Chad, who's played Xbox before, right? Like, he needs to be the guy flying the plane. But that's that literally is how absurd it was and how much I was thinking, man, I am not in control. And that's what it was doing to me. So we land, and I remember calling my wife, Christy. I'm in Texas, and I'm like, hey, you may have to come and get me. And she's like, you better figure it out, bud. I ain't driving out there. So I fly back, and again, the entire time, I mean, I'm listening to worship music. I'm trying to calm down, but, like, it has, it has derailed me. It has derailed me. And ever since then, you know, the, pan, uh, the pandemic hits, and obviously a lot more folks are dealing with this kind of thing. But ever since then, every single time I would talk with a friend of mine who was a pilot, I would always ask him the same thing. I would say, so what would you tell someone, someone, not me, right, who's, uh, who's scared of flying, who, who's a little bit anxious about that? And they would always give me the statistics. You know, oh, turbulence has never crashed a plane. We haven't had a plane crash in forever. And I'm like, well, then we're probably overdue, right? No, absolutely not. They would say they've done all these stress tests. These pilots know what they're doing. The planes basically fly themselves, which did not make me feel good. I'm like, what do you mean no one's actually flying the plane? And so they would always tell me that. And, and nothing really helped until one day I was sitting in my office talking with a friend of mine who's a pilot. And I said, I asked him the question, what do you tell someone who's kind of scared of flying? And he says, well, why, why are you scared of flying? So I told him the same story that I just told all of you about the, the turbulence and how it made me feel and how the panic. And he goes, oh, well, then it happened just like it was supposed to. 
I said, what do you mean it happened like it was supposed to? He said, Chad, a couple things. He said, one, he said, the pilot who was flying that plane knew exactly what was coming up. They know because they have gauges and instruments and all kinds of things to measure what's happening in the air ahead. They have air traffic control that they're talking to. They have other pilots they're talking to. They know where the turbulence, the dangerous turbulence is, and they know where the turbulence is that's not so dangerous. He said, and that pilot's job, it's not just to keep you from feeling every little bit of bump in that turbulence. He said, that pilot's job is to get you where you need to go. He said, and the second thing is, he said, the plane did exactly what it was supposed to do. I said, what do you mean? He said, it caught you. He said, the plane was designed to go through that turbulence, and the plane was designed to catch you. And as soon as he said it, it hit me that in our lives, we go through these tough times. We feel the turbulence of life. We feel the ups and the downs and the drops, and we feel it jostling us around. But here's what I know. I know two things. I know that God knows the safe path for us, and even though his job is not to keep us from all that, his job is to get us where we need to be. And here's the other thing I know because the scripture promises it: he will always catch us. He will always catch us. God is good 100% of the time. He has promised that. And no matter what we go through, when we feel anxiety, when we feel worry, we can trust in God's promises. As we wrap up today, I want to give you guys some practical tips. These are just some things that I have discovered in my life, some things that have been taught to me to kind of, as you go out of this place, because again, I know so many folks do deal with anxiety or worry. Just a couple of quick practical tips, and I didn't put these in your notes, but maybe you want to write these down. The first practical tip that I would give you is go to God's promises. Go to God's promises. Prayer, scripture, worship. These are things that God has given us to reassure us, to help us know that he has got us, that he will always catch us. The second thing that I would tell you is talk to someone. Talk to someone. We say it all the time. God's plan for the pain is his people. Go to a trusted friend. Go talk to one of your pastors. Go and just talk to someone. Talk to a family member. Get it out there again. One of the great things that has come out of this horrible tragedy known as the pandemic is the, is the fact that we are having these open and honest conversations, and it's the way God designed us to be in community. So go and talk to someone. The third thing that I would tell you, if you need to, see a medical professional. Hear me, church. Hear me this morning as one of your pastors to seek medical to seek a medical professional it is okay that is a good thing it is a good thing to go and talk to someone who is trained to help you with this, whether that is a doctor or a therapist, psychiatrist, whatever it may be, that is okay. And if they decide that where you're at is enough to maybe give you a little bit of medication or some medication, and they do that, a medical professional, it is okay. There is no shame in that. It is a good thing. The fourth thing I would tell you is be proactive. Don't just sit around. So many times when we face these higher levels of anxiety, when we're worrying, it becomes this feedback loop because all we do is we sit there and we wallow in it. So don't just sit there. Get up. Go do something. Get out of the house. Wash your car. Go take care of something. Go see a friend. Go get coffee somewhere. But don't just sit there. Be proactive. And then the last thing that I would tell you, and this is very practical, healthy habits. Make sure that you have a healthy diet. Make sure you're getting exercise. Make sure you're getting healthy amounts of sleep. It is so important, and we cannot ignore the physiological effects that when we're not taking care of ourselves, what that can do to our mental and emotional health. 
The band's going to come here in just a moment and, uh, and lead us in a time of response. And uh, whatever your next step is today, and there's a couple that you can take, my encouragement would be for you to do that. Um, the first next step that I would say is on this connection card here at the bottom. Uh, it says that you can have a member of our pastoral team contact me about helping me with my anxiety and or worry. If you need to speak with a pastor, we would love the opportunity to talk with you. And we'll keep it confidential. We're not going to go and, and blast that out to everyone. But if you need to speak with a pastor or you want someone to call you just to maybe even just to pray with you, that is 100% fine. If you need to go speak to a friend today, maybe that's your next step. Maybe you just need to send a text to them and say, hey, can we have a conversation? I need to talk to you about something that's on my mind. Man, that's amazing. Make sure that you do that. Maybe you just need prayer and you just want to write a prayer request on the back of that card so your pastors can pray for you. Praise God. If that's your next step, I would encourage you to do that today. But whatever it is that God is calling you to, I would encourage you to take that next step and remember that we are valued by God. God wants to use these situations in our lives to grow us. And we can always, 100% of the time, trust in God's promises as we go throughout this life. Let's pray. So Father, we do thank you for today. God, we thank you that you are good. God, we thank you that you love us. God, we thank you that we can trust in your promises and who you are. Father, I pray for those who are in this room, those who may be listening online. God, I know that in an audience this size, there are people who are dealing with this even right now, who feel the weight of anxiety, who feel the weight of worry bearing down on them. And God, we know that you don't want us to live in that. You want us to live in freedom and to live in the peace that you provide. And so God, I just pray for them this morning. And God, I pray you will give them the courage and the boldness to take whatever it is next step that they need to take. And God, now as we respond in worship, God, I pray that you will fill this place and God, you will bring that peace that surpasses all understanding. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We invite you to stand as we respond to Lord and worship.